Hey everyone, and welcome to Don't Skip, a podcast featuring the brightest minds in advertising. I'm your host, Zach Seckler, and outside of this podcast, I work as a comedy director and photographer. If you're into visual humor, you might like my work, which is over at zachseckler.com. Today, we're chatting with Matt Sorrell. Matt is a creative director at Wyden Kennedy Portland. Matt's won tons of awards, including gold lions, gold pencils, and a grand Clio. He's created outstanding work for HBO, Foot Locker, and Old Spice. And just this year, Matt helped create some extraordinarily unusual spots for a company named Meow Wolf. Think parody of a local supermarket commercial hosted by a deep fake of Willie Nelson. It's a pretty unique sentence. This episode is jam-packed with fun production stories along with advice for creatives, filmmakers, and really anyone who is in the business of creating visual comedy. We also dive into the process of creating one of those Meow Wolf spots and an all-time favorite for Old Spice. Definitely check out Matt's website, matt-sorrell.com to watch the work we touch on in this episode. I will say that if you've ever loved movies like Naked Gun or Airplane, you will 100% love Matt's work too. I had a fantastic time chatting with Matt. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This is Don't Skip, Matt Sorrell. All right, Matt Sorrell. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Really excited to be with you, man. Yeah, I'm psyched to be here. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for this. It's going to be great. You are calling out of Portland, right? Yeah, Portland, Oregon. Is it raining? It is about to rain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's on brand. Perfect, on brand. <laughs> I love it. So first question for you, where are you from and what was your path into advertising? I grew up in Texas in a tiny little town, about an hour and a half outside of Dallas, west this tiny little place called Weatherford, Texas. Went to school in Texas, went to UT, and then immediately moved to New York to start working at Shiat Day. So that was my first, my first kind of ad, ad gig and did that for a couple of years. It was a little bit of a like three-year, kind of felt like doing like a postgraduate work a little bit. Like it was purely learning, it felt like. I didn't make as much as I wish I would have. Everyone there was amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it felt like a, a, a weird experience. And then... um. I went to Hal Reine in San Francisco for a year and then back to New York to work for Jerry Graff again at Saatchi. And then he left there to do his own thing and Saatchi kind of had a little explosion moment. And so I went over to BBDO, I worked for uh, Greg Hahn for a while and then over to Wyden. And so I've been here for almost eight years, which is crazy. Wow. What was your first in that in that nice abridged summary of your resume, which I love that you took us through that. Do you remember a first big break? You know, I think a lot of kind of younger creatives who maybe are just starting a career or or wanting to start a career in advertising, it's interesting to know like what what was the first big break that kind of put you on the path to creating all the the amazing, funny, great work that you're doing now? Yeah, I think I can kind of like remember it in weird little moments. So there's definitely some clear things like, oh my God, I won this thing. Holy shit. Like that was awesome. That took forever to get to. What was the first, what was the first thing you won that was, oh my God, awesome? 
Oh, I mean, you know, I feel like BBDO, I had a good run of stuff that was cool, but then at Wyden, when it was like, oh my God, a gold lion, you know, it <laughs> felt so special and crazy yeah. uh, for some Old Spice stuff. But, you know, there was like, there's moments where it starts to click and that feels really good. And there's a few weird distinct ones where I feel like I shy it for a couple of years and working, working, working. And then I feel like I'd shown some like Nextel work or something, some headlines earlier in the day. And then I very distinctly remember Jerry Graff coming over and hitting me on the head with like some plastic baseball bat that he would carry around. And he's like, good work. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that feels great. <laughs> and that was, you know, that's kind of a thing. So instead of a light bulb, it was a baseball bat. It was a, yeah, it was like a, a yellow wiffle bat. <laughs> so yeah, it was just like, okay, you start to get it. And I distinctly remember him in particular saying, Oh, it took me like seven years to figure this thing out. Mm -hmm. So hearing stuff like that from people you admire kind of cools you out because you're in, you know, it's kind of this like, what have you done for me lately business? It feels like, you know, all the time it feels like that. So hearing that from someone who was a pro that I admired was really nice because it does take a while. And so I don't know, it, it really clicked at Widen. I feel like I found my, my people there and my groove. But, uh, you know, at BBDO, we did some work for Foot Locker with my old partner, Jess Coulter, we did some stuff and I was like, okay, we're finding our voice. We're being silly. We're being stupid. It's getting fun. Mm -hmm. And you know, that took like seven or eight years to get to. Yeah. Just kind of messing around. Yeah. She's a director now, right? Yeah. Jess, she's at uh, O Positive? Yeah. She, she's, she's amazing. We, we were partners for almost like four or five years at Saatchi and BBDO and did some fun stuff. And that was, that was I was like, okay. I'm clicking with a person. This is super fun. We worked on a bunch of candy stuff at, at Saatchi and, you know, Gushers and stuff like that, which was super fun. But yeah, she she moved over to directing, which is really cool. So those, those are some some fun moments that stand out as as breaks. Actually, while we're while we're on the topic about early careers and and starting out and having breaks, do you have any do you see junior creatives, and obviously we don't have to name any names, but you know it could be at past agencies you've worked at or wherever, do you see junior creatives making any mistakes in their careers or generally that you're like, okay, that you advise people against? Yeah. I mean, like I'm sure I did all the same things, right? You, you learn to self-edit and all that stuff. And I think that's part of the process. And when you're working with the junior team, you're like, okay, this is going to be a long check-in, but that's awesome. That's great. You want to see a million bad, horrible things. And then, and then there's going to be some magic stuff in there. My biggest gripe, and we've, my partner, Jason Creer, and I talk about this all the time with, with current people we're working with, and it's only made it worse with everybody being in their basements and Google Docs has only made it worse. The kind of like special little thing happens when you're sitting in a room quietly staring at each other for an hour and just waiting for the other person to make the other person laugh. Uh huh. I think a lot of people are working in docs together, slides, whatever, just like making a presentation before they even have an idea. And it's like, you have to work together. You have to sit and talk in a room. You have to sit in uncomfortable silence together. And we tell them that, like, you'll have people show up and it's like, you could tell they're, they're showing the idea to each other for the first time in the check-in. And that's just, I don't know. Yeah. Part of the magic is telling each other no and, and beating up stuff with each other. And, and I think there's just, even if it's just like leaving, nobody wants to sit on Zoom all day, but it's just like, leave your phone on and sit and work with this person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's just, it's just getting it out there and working in person before you talk to your CDs or, or anything like that. So having the, the in-person 
whether it's actually physically or just over Zoom, but having that personal connection to kind of help the ideas come along versus just putting it all out there in in a in text, which is obviously not personal. Yeah, yeah. And if you're working on a script, present it. You know, present it to your partner. If you're working on if you're writing something, it's it's best to be read. But if, if it's something that's supposed to be visual or a stunt or some digital thing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you need to talk it out first. Yeah. This feels very mean. I feel like I'm, we're lecturing. No, no, not at all. I mean, I think well, it, <laughs> I was going to just connect it to something which I've heard different points of view about. And that's some people think that the best creative ideas come from just the solo person or the solo team being off in a corner and doing their own thing versus the brainstorming in a larger room with you know with several creatives. Do you have an opinion on what you think works better or is it just everyone's different? I think everyone's gonna be different. I think there's a danger in doing this thing where every single person is talking and everyone has a single vote and down to the, the person who just walked in the door two weeks ago is like, oh my, here's, here's my take on it. Yeah, here's my take on the thing that you guys sat in a room for eight hours and and worked out. You know, so I think there's a danger in that, but I think it's you know it's just different barriers to get past each other. You need to make your partner laugh first, and vice versa, and then you need to make your CDs blah 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 blah, and then the client. All that stuff needs to line up. But I'll kind of talk out the other side of my mouth right now, where <laughs> that's something where widen clicked for me. Mm-hmm. My old CD partner on Old Spice, Ashley Ashley Marshall, put it super well. She was like, oh my God, Wyden feels like he took everybody who was good at group, you know, you do a group project in school and there's always one person who's kind of taking the lead. Mm -hmm. She's like, it feels like the lead person on every group project all came to work at Wyden. So like, (laughs) if that makes makes sense, like- A lot of opinions, yeah. A lot of opinions. A lot of strong opinions and strong leader personalities. Yeah, super smart people. And I don't know, Wyden was the first time where I kind of opened my eyes. I was like, oh, oh my God, like, this planner is really smart. Oh, this is account person is really smart. This media person is really smart. You know, and I feel like other agencies that kind of hide that. So mm-hmm. that little team effort is amazing. I think when you're sitting and writing one idea, it's good to keep it a little smaller. Right, right. I want to talk about, before we dig into a couple of campaigns that you've done that I really want to dive deep on and, and geek out on <laughs> together. <laughs> you know, you've. I feel like there's a very consistent comedic style throughout a lot of your work, a lot of, there's a lot of visual comedy, a lot of kind of meta self-awareness within your campaigns throughout various, you know, throughout clients too, as you know, from Old Spice is a big one, but then also with Foot Locker, HBO, Meow Wolf. And then there's also with the visual comedy, there's a, there's another layer to it. There's kind of, it's a, it's a slapstick played straight quality to it, which I love. But the point is that it's very specific. Do you do you remember gravitating as as a younger person towards a certain type of comedy that you think maybe helped inform this style, or is it just always been in you? Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's things that always kind of jump out that maybe. I mean, growing up, I remember like finding Naked Gun, and that was the most hilarious thing on earth to me <laughs> at the time when you're like eight years old or whatever. Yeah. It's so incredible. And I think, yeah, it is that it is that funny thing of playing something straight and treating it really stupidly. That that works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think one of the best movies in the past, like five to 10 years, like what we do in the shadows, I think is one of the most incredible, funny 
pieces of work post naked gun. Um, <laughs> again, I guess that's what I, I guess I am like gravitating towards that. Cause that is another one that is like something really dumb played really straight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like the visual thing was another thing that clicked where starting to work on old spice as an art director and having Craig and Jason as my bosses and kind of seeing their work and not verbally getting permission, but seeing the work they're doing and getting permission to be like, Oh, this can be kind of anything you want as cheesy as that sounds. But Another thing that I am obsessed with is like bad practical effects from horror movies. And I feel like that was a like a weird passion. And then seeing their work, I was like, oh, I can bring that over here and do that. Mm-hmm. And you work with these like crusty art department people throughout the whole production world. And they're like, thank you. Thank you so much. I haven't made a practical beehive in 30 years. You know, like you, you, <laughs> yeah. you find these people who are like, oh, this is a craft. Yeah. So that was just... Not a comedy thing, but when you play something goofy like that, uh, something like kind of grotesque like that in a goofy way, uh, it turns out turns out well. Yeah, I think I guess. As, I especially no, I think especially now with you know how visual effects have come so far that seeing something that's done in kind of a very lo-fi way and it's so obviously not supposed to look perfect, yeah, has a charm to it and it, it can add to the comedy. Yeah, totally. And we've we like. There's been this wonderful relationship with this artist, Tim Davies, who was at the mill and now he has his own place called Kevin. And he has been kind of my visual effects bud for the past eight years or whatever. Uh And he gets it and he loves it and he loves the craft of it. And he's one of those effects artists who comes on all the shoots, right? So you're there with him from, from the very beginning. And I think that's where a lot of that stuff happens. And I've been lucky enough to everybody I've worked with, creative partners, love the same style. We love the visual effects. I, I don't know. It's just fun. I could geek out on that stuff. I love it. I love the post world and doing all the flame stuff and all that. It's 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 great. And and it, and like you said, it's like you don't see much of it. So that's a that's kind of an easy cheat to stand out, especially in the ad world. Mm-hmm. When you said Naked Gun, I was like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I could just tell. I was like, of course he loves Naked Gun and Airplane and all those Sucker Brothers movies. Yes. it's it's such a it's such a tie-in. To your work. Do you remember the first time that you brought in kind of, we were just talking about props and, you know, the lo-fi practical props. Do you remember the first time you were able to bring that into a campaign and be really happy with it? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, we started to mess with it on Foot Locker, I think. And we did some, Jess and I did a spot forever ago. We were just like, oh. Was that Shaq? The one with Shaq? Yeah. Shaq is really tall. Let's build like a dumb little lift thing (laughs) that this guy, this artist, Tyga, they wanted to use him in the spot. We're like, he's tiny. Let's just make like a dumb little scissor lift thing. And we started messing around with, you know, started messing around with that stuff. And that was that was super fun. And just so for people listening, oh, yeah. if they haven't checked it out yet, so it's, so Tyga is in this living room. They're at a party and Shaq's sitting right next to him. But he's so much shorter. So he uses this scissor lift that's like basically like one foot square scissor lift. Yes. <laughs> To go up and down each time he wants to talk to Shaq, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. When you describe it, it's like, oh, it's so dumb. But yeah, yeah. That's no, but it. it's so it's so perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's such like a, on paper. I love how so many great spots they boil down to. When you write it down on paper, it's just like it's a simple kind of silly thing. But when it's done right by the right people, <laughs> it's just so amazing, right? Uh, yeah, it's part of the fun, right? Yeah, that's good. And then like that just explodes on Old Spice. And I feel like the first thing we did when I got there, mm-hmm. this guy, uh, Jared Higgins, who was a first partner at Wyden, we did this thing about 
nature and Old Spice. And we got to build this like 10 foot long bear tongue where the tongue shoots out. And we built this tree that comes out and half of it is this park ranger and the other half of it is this woman. And it's just building all these. Yeah, it was great. And it's like, oh, we can do that. We can build a little puppet fish. And there's people out there who who want to do this. So that that was a moment where it really, yeah, it really clicked. And then I think like, as I started figuring out the voice I was loving, especially on Old Old Spice, this kind of simple, simple thing of, especially on Old Spice, they wanted people to be really good looking, right? Like really handsome guys. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, let's make beautiful man models do stupid things. And that that kind of, I was like, okay, I can ride on that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that formula. And and beautiful women too. I mean, it's you guys make a lot of you make light of the beautiful woman and like the obviousness of what guys want, right? Yeah, you kind of make fun of that, right? Of guys wanting women and having their male parts calling out. Yeah, it, it's so <laughs> echoing echoing back to uh to what male parts do when they're excited. Yeah, yeah. Um it's <laughs> like a lot of that. Beautiful men and beautiful women talking to each other. Yeah. And you know, you gotta you gotta like Forever, like the, the the old spice, the entire old spice thing was kind of built on the the anti axe, which you know all that stuff. That was years ago, before I even worked there, like axe was such like lizard brain kind of like buff dude going after attractive woman mm-hmm. stupidity. And I think you know making fun of that was of course super super easy. Mm-hmm. What about before we dive into talking about a, a project? What about the the meta quality? A lot of your work. Oh, you know, with old old spice for example, there's. It's common in a lot of those spots, but you know, making light of the fact that this is a commercial and people are watching this commercial, right? Like with the moms in the forest being like, why is this an ad? And and then being like, this should be an ad for Old Spice. Oh, and they yeah. turn to the camera and hold up the product, you know? I see a lot of that in your work. Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of, ads are gross and you want to make light of it and you want to, you know, people are way smarter than I think marketers think they are. So it's just, you know, treating people with respect in that way. You know, if you want to entertain them, if you're taking up their time. Mm-hmm. The, the meta thing is just, you know, especially when you're talking to 14-year-old boys or whatever for Old Spice, like, oh, they're they're smart. They, they know what's going on. That one in particular was fun. That one was um, this team, Nicole Blau and Darcy Burrell, who are amazing. The brief was like, we have to sell to moms and sons. And they, yeah, they came up with this great thing of like kind of... <laughs> kind of duping both teenage boys and and moms and kind of treating them uh-huh. treating them with respect but also treating them like idiots and it it, it, it right. turned out pretty great and just like appealing to the kind of paper towel ad of the mom and the extreme sports version of the boy and and putting that in a blender right yeah that was a fun one i'm just i'm thinking i'm looking at one of them on your website there's like it opens on a there's an octopus yeah, <laughs> riding a jet ski in the ocean, <laughs> and then there's a there's a jet skier, and they have a parachute, and it says like Old Spice, be cool, or something <laughs> like that. And the moms are like, "What? This is such a stupid advertising thing for young boys." And then they turn to the camera, and they're like, "They should be advertising Old Spice like this." And they hold up the product, right? That that's kind of the gist, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it says, "Be the best mom" in the background. Yeah. With- the big, big cloth that they're holding up. And yeah. Well, that was too, that was reaching a point too where Old Spice was kind of becoming a parody of itself as well, you know? And I think if you ask mm-hmm. Craig and Common and, you know, of course, Baldwin and Bagley did that amazing, you know, man on the horse, that set the tone. That was incredible. Right. Craig Allen. Yeah. And then it was easy to just 
kind of go laser, velociraptor, blah, 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 jet ski. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people thought that was it. And it was, you know, the work's quite a bit smarter than that. It's quite a bit more strategic than that. So I think mm-hmm. that that campaign, we were poking fun at ourselves a little bit, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Well, let's while we're talking about Old Spice, let's dig in a little bit on the one of the newer spots, Never Let a Friend Lose His Swagger. The one with the the Netflix countdown. Yes. It's in there. I'm not sure which title that is under the three on your website, but it's the the first one, which is kind of a parody of well, how would you describe it? Uh, I love that one. That was that was I haven't worked on Old Spice for almost three years. That was kind of the last project I was the CD on for that one. And that was this team, Bertie Scrace and Kristen Brestrup, who are amazing. They're now CDs at Wyden. And that was one where, okay, there's a great strategy crew on Old Spice. And then at the time, that brief was all about male friendship and all about, you know, your friends are the only ones who can kind of help you, right? And there's, it's something we don't talk about, right? Like, you don't talk about guy friends that much. You know, maybe you did in 80s beer ads or something silly like that. Mm -hmm. So it came from a really smart place of like guys giving up and guys being sad and guys not having friends. And, you know, it's kind of... (laughs) Kind of like a depressing subject, but <laughs> the team spun it in such a great way. And all the spots start with, you know, there's one, there's a guy is like gorged himself on takeout and he's watching Netflix and a friend busts in and is like, we got to go, we got to get out of the house. And the team fully wrote these in kind of this action movie trope kind of way. So in that one, right, he grabs the guy off the beanbag. He is like covered in nachos and stuff grabs him and is running out of the apartment. And of course, instead of running out the door, he just came in, he runs through the kitchen, you know, I think like bagel bites explode on his face. Everything's in slow-mo, yep. runs to the wall, dives out the window to like get in an Uber. So with that one, how close was it from script to screen? So how how many of those, I'm curious about, so there's kind of two parts to that spot. Yeah. The first is the guy breaking in and it starts out very dramatic, mm-hmm. right? The music is very, very melancholy and it feels like a real, it's a great parody because it feels very realistic. And then the, the moment, there's a moment of like genuine guy connection and yes. emoting between the two. And then it breaks into this whole action sequence, right? Yeah. With the action sequence, there's a lot of little gags that happen along the way. And each one has a legitimate cause to it, like the the lamp knocks over because the lazy boy ottoman like sprung open. And then the the bagel bites shoot on his eyes because the microwave exploded. Like it's all ridiculous. Yeah. But there's but there are little gags and they're all they all have like realistic, plausible causes. Uh, I'm curious how many, how many of those gags were written into the script and how many developed once you guys had already hired the director, who on this one was Steve Rogers. Yeah, this was Steve Rogers. Amazing director, can't stop working with him. He's the best. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, everything did come from like a very strategic place of these are the things that are holding you back and keeping you lazy and keeping you in the house, right? So the lazy boy's gonna pop out because it wants you to watch TV. The the microwave's gonna explode because it wants you to sit around and eat junk food. So everything was kind of the world is against you, is essentially what we're trying Mm -hmm. to do in there. I think the microwave one was in there with the pepperoni eyes which was a fun fight with the client from the very beginning that we just kept like, mm-hmm. we got to do it. We got to do it. You know, it's that, that trope of like a grenade going off. I'm blind, you know? So yeah. the pepperoni kind of just hits this dude in the eyes and he runs with that for a second. And it covers both of his eyes perfectly. Yes, of course. So each pepperoni yeah. circle. Yep. That was a very fancy Tim Davies special effect. 
but we shot the pepperoni for real again like you always want to make you want to shoot it practically it always looks better uh-huh yeah and then like his robe at the end shoots out right so his his kind of lazy clothes are are keeping him back i think the robe came out as we were going through production and steve is amazing like steve will sit and we will sit with the scripts that's one thing that like definitely learned from scott vitrone and ian reichenthal though is get the scripts locked down super tight it needs to make you laugh on paper if it doesn't there's barely a chance it's going to make you laugh when it comes to life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Steve is one of those that's amazing. And he is this insane film nerd who will come at you with references from Naked Gun. And then also like, well, you know, in German cinema in 1908, they did this. So he comes at you from all angles. Again, it's like that. He's one of the few directors. There's a couple out there where he can do funny really beautifully. And I think that's where we started working with him years ago, I was like, oh, you are this little magical unicorn who can do that. And it, and it was pretty special. Well, what do you mean when you say funny really beautifully? Do you mean like aesthetically, the, just the visuals, that it looks nice? Yes. The colors look nice, the composition, all that stuff. And it's funny. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So I'll back up a bit where I first started working with Steve. And back when I was a before CD, a creative on Old Spice, Nick Morrissey and I, this is a moment where I was like, I'm so proud of this campaign. It was so fun. I'll start at the brief. The brief was like, it's so strong and never sweat, right? Like it was this, mm-hmm. this like super powerful, insane, who knows what's in it, deodorant. You'll never sweat. That's it. It's for the hardest working people on earth or something like that. And so we're like, okay, let's just write a campaign about somebody who is trying to make himself sweat so bad. He's pushing the limits of life. He's pushing the limits of everything. And that's where we wrote the really dumb campaign where this guy like, builds a rocket car because he wants to push the limits of speed and he wants to push the limits. He wants to push the limits of his deodorant. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, never, never took a, a rocket engineering course. And then there's another one in there where he's trying to live life to the fullest. And so he spends his life savings on uh, sunglasses for a whale, right? So it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. And we, we wanted those to feel like the most epic, beautiful, anthemic, little mini whatevers of all time. And that's where Steve came in and we came in with a ton of reference. Here's, here's what, you know, and he came back at us with a ton of reference. And, and that was one where I think the, the reason it worked so well is because it was so beautifully shot with an amazing, amazing DP, amazing crew, amazing build. And Steve treating this thing like the stupid thing, like a work of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why, we, that's why we kept working with him. We've done like, I don't know, I've personally done probably seven or eight campaigns with him. He's amazing. So is that something that you see is kind of missing from the comedy director offerings generally that there's either it's either funny or it's better looking visually cinematically but not both is that kind of a hole that you see I think so there's so many talented a gap there's a gap there's a gap there's so many talented directors I feel like I'm not I don't want to like shit on anyone like this is No no like you're yeah. not shitting on anyone you're shitting on everyone no I'm kidding <laughs> No, no, I, it's something that I noticed too. So I'm just curious to hear to hear your take. But yeah, you know, there's a look to comedy spots, and there's a, there's a look to the kind of, and it's a great look. And for years, there's some like FedEx 15s that are some of the most hilarious things on earth, right? But everything's shot in a medium. The lighting is very well balanced, and you know, it's that kind of slice of normalcy, flat. Yeah, that makes it funny though, right? Like yeah. it's like right. Here's something too is like. At the time on Old Spice, 
I would say the man your man could smell like is is cinematic in its own way, right? Like it's it's kind of it's this opus that that Craig and and Common created with Tom Coons, and that is its own beautiful look. Mm-hmm. But what was fun about Old Spice, Craig and Bagley were always kind of like you know they wanted to kind of like Madonna, Beyonce it kind of where they're like let's not do the same thing twice. Yeah. So I think that was when Nick and I heard that we're like okay let's go. Let's not go Terry Crews on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not go like Tim and Eric hilarious lo-fi. Let's go uh, ridiculously cinematic or whatever. And then, we, you know, I've gone back and forth. It's fun to do both, but it came out of that too. Yeah. I feel like it's interesting while we're talking about it, the visual look of comedic spots. I've noticed that there has been a trend away from in the highest quality work, right? In the in the best quality work out there, there's been a little bit of a trend away from the kind of flat high key look and a little bit more of a trend towards cinematic, I would say, mm-hmm. meaning kind of more contrast and having it look more filmic. So I don't know if you've noticed that too, but... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. It depends on the brand too. It depends on the brand. Some brands are still super high key. Yeah. But yeah, I've noticed that kind of trend. Well, yeah, it's like for years you have kind of the like FedEx Geico look kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. And then I think people go fully in the other direction. Because, you know, out of that you have like Hennessy spots that are like so gorgeous and so beautiful and they give you goosebumps and it's amazing. And then you kind of want to make fun of that, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So getting back to this Old Spice spot that we were just talking about, let's see. Anything else about how was it working with Steve Rogers on that? How did you come to pick him? You, You already worked with him before, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we had done three or four jobs with him before. And and that one, yeah, you know, of course we always like, that's part of the fun is doing treatments and talking to, you know, you try to like go into the treatment process and like, here's one, I think we know what we can get out of this person. Here's kind of a wild card. And here is a different flavored wild card. I don't know. You kind of want to have like, not safe, like you never want to have a safe. You're like, okay, here's one, here's one. And then here's like a curveball from outer space just to get their take on it because it could surprise you, right? Like you, um, mm-hmm. yeah, production is so fun. When you are looking at directors and you're looking at who to choose, tell me about the process a little bit. Yeah. Of how, what it's like from your point of view. It, it's slightly different now, right? Like as a creative, you want to just kind of go through every single reel and geek out on what you love. And then, you know, that's also comes down to really good producers too. Where they say, "Oh my God, look at this! Look at this person from Belgium, or whatever." Or, or here's and that's the beauty of Widen as well. They're tapped into so much culture outside of advertising. They'll say, "Oh, here's the person we saw at Sundance. Let's look at them." Again, that's kind of part of the thing I was talking about. Like, get someone you know, get a wild card, and then a crazy wild card who's never done an ad, right? Which could sometimes be trouble. You know, you work with mm-hmm. people, and you're like, "Oh my God." We have to make a 15 or whatever. <laughs> but as a CD, right? You just want to you want to give the team freedom and say, what what do you want to make out of this? Because mm-hmm. at the end of it, like you got to approach, uh, I don't know, it's so easy to get caught up in client feedback and this and that. And you have to keep reminding yourself, oh, do I want to make this? If I wasn't working on this, would I like what I'm doing? You know, you have to kind of remind yourself that constantly, which is really hard Especially now, I feel like it's only gotten more difficult. You're trying to please 10,000 people. You just have to step back and be like, will I even like this? Will I be embarrassed by this if I see this uh, online or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you just want to give, as a CD, you want to give teams freedom and say, this is your spot. 
you're you're picking three directors who have never made ads. Do you want to do that? You know, and you want to give people freedom. All right. Have you ever have you ever had times where you're kind of surprised by who ends up getting picked by the client? Director-wise? Yeah, director-wise, yep. I've been lucky enough to not work on anything where it kind of comes dictated from the top, you know? Usually we keep that close to us and we work with clients that trust our opinion, uh, you know, especially at Widen. I feel like they come to Widen for strong opinions and something that, you know, people who are really good at marketing, working with people who are really good at bringing that to life and doing ads and all that, whatever. But man, now I've never been put in a position where I'm like, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have had treatments where you're like, oh, holy cow, amazing. Let's go with this person, mm-hmm. you know, and, and pleasantly surprised and, and psyched. How often does it come down to an idea or a set of ideas or approach from the creative call or the treatment that is the best idea versus the best reel or the reel that might be, it's an Old Spice spot and they've done another deodorant spot. You know, like how often does it come down to the idea or the ideas that the director puts forth in the creative process on the bid? I'd say 99% of the time it comes down to, to what they bring to it. Mm-hmm. There's been times where you're like, oh, this is so difficult. And you're literally making like pro-con lists on a whiteboard. Like, should we go with this person? <laughs> Usually there's something that pops up where you're like, oh, we never approached it that way. Thank you. Like, this is why we are hiring fancy directors because you brought in one little one little outside perspective that is mm-hmm. that is changing the whole look of this. So, yeah, and I mean, it gets tricky too, right? Like, the reel is very important to look at because that's kind of how you can write whatever you want on a treatment. You know, every every single treatment I've read for 15 years says, casting is important. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, there's so many tropes. <laughs> and, you know, it's like... And then putting the celebrity faces that we've all seen. Yeah, exactly. The same comedic actors. Yeah, exactly. From SNL and... Yeah, yeah. And it is funny. You see the same, like, oh, you see, <laughs> it is funny when you get like the same reference photo in three different ones. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it just comes down to their take. And, and you have to, that's like the weird, I'm sure it's a legal thing as well, but it's the weird kind of like handshake agreement. Like, director brings an idea. You can't, yep. you can't bring that joke to another director, right? Like, I love that. Yeah. I think that's like a, such a cool little, like, code of honor director thing right. that's so cool. Yeah, totally. And sometimes they'll have, that, I mean, that it comes down to that too, right? Like, they have one joke, like, oh, we have to go with them. Mm-hmm. They, na- they nailed it with this one tiny little thing that changed the whole, yeah. the whole vibe. Now, what about, have you ever had situations where, I mean, I feel like you're working, you know, these scripts are probably so amazing to start out with that they wouldn't need this, but have you ever had a director kind of giving a, a Hail Mary take mm. on a project. And what I mean by that is something that's really kind of not what's scripted. It's in the same ballpark, but it's different enough that it's it's a really different, it would be a different script. And have you had that actually be bought and sold through? I'm trying to think if there's one that has completely changed it. There are some things that will come through like a visual treatment or one joke or... I may be getting this wrong. There was one thing, Andreas Nielsen is one amazing director we've worked with a ton and he has come to things where that thing I just was talking about where it's like, oh, they bring one look, one treatment, one one joke, one reference that just blows you away. Mm -hmm. He's done that quite a few times, but I think there was one in particular where we did this thing with this NFL player 
And the idea was like, he wrote his own science fiction movie and he was showing it to his roommates and he wrote this like pompous over the top sci-fi movie starring himself. And he, and at the end it's revealed, like he, he made this short film about, uh, you know, body wash or whatever. (laughs) That was one where I think, I think the team will kill me if this is not right. But like, I think Andreas came with the one gag of him cracking out of this like dirt egg in the beginning. And we're like, Oh, that's it. Yeah. That has, that has to be it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that was Eric Fensler and Derek and Derek Ho. I th- maybe they had the egg joke, but there was something about the way he treated the egg. Where like, there it is. Yeah, he just you know he described it like it will be a, it will look like it was born from a, a dirt bird or something. I don't know what he said, but it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it happens. I love it. It happens. That's great. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about one of my favorite spots you've done recently, which is Omega Mart for Meow Wolf client. <laughs> So for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, this is <laughs> these are some really trippy ads that you guys have been creating. There's Omega Mart, and then you guys recently just did um, Welcome to the Worlds. Is that what it's titled? Yeah, that's for... Uh, or Convergence Station. Convergence Station, yep. Yeah, yeah. So can you describe a little bit about like... Meow Wolf is an experiential company, right? So they do... They have a, a space that you buy tickets to, and it's very... I would imagine it's very Instagram friendly. There's all sorts of kind of weird visual gags and stuff, but I, I haven't been there. So can you tell tell us a little bit about the company and then and then mostly about the advertising? Yeah, totally. Meow Wolf is like as special as you can get for a client. They are so fantastic and magical. And yeah, so they started as this kind of artist collective and started doing exhibits and installations and things around Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so People noticed them. They got backed by some venture capital. And now they're this like artist empire around the world making these permanent experiences. Santa Fe was the first one. Omega Mart in Vegas was the second. And Convergent Station in Denver, Colorado just opened. And they have this kind of beautiful mission where they want to be the largest employer of artists in the world. Like it's this amazing grand plan. And it's so funny. It's like, this is one that's like so hard to explain to, you know, parents and stuff like that when you're talking (laughs) about work. Yeah. You know, so you go and it's this extremely trippy, beautiful art installation. And I think the latest one's like 80,000 square feet or something like that. So, wow. So, yeah. So, the, the very first one, you like walk in, it looks like a house, an entire house. And then all of a sudden, you're like opening doors and sliding down washing machines. And it is this kind of beautiful Instagram friendly thing. But when you're in there, I've only been to the Santa Fe one due to all sorts of, you know, COVID insanity. But you go in there and you kind of don't even want to Instagram anything because you're you're. It's truly an experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not doing it justice. But anyway, so no, no, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's like a it's like a Playland. It's like Disney World for adults. Yes, who may be doing drugs at the time. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Disneyland. They describe themselves as like Disneyland for the experience economy. I think the New York Times did a write up on them, and that's how that was that was kind of beautifully described. And then so with that in mind. It's it's a trippy experience. And and tell us about the first spot that you guys did, which was Omega Mart, which came out last year, I believe, right? Yes. So Meow Wolf's been in the building at Wyden for quite a while. And so I stopped working on Old Spice maybe two, three years ago and started working with Jason Creer, who we worked in the past together as creatives. But he had been working with Meow Wolf. I kind of jumped into it. I was like lucky enough. And he's like, oh my God, this thing's amazing. They're opening this new one in Vegas. The concept is Omega Mart. It's like a grocery store 
kind of this dystopian grocery store, right? So the best part about it was it's a true creative partnership where, yes, we did a spot for them. We helped launch the thing. But we are also in there helping create products that they actually sell at Omega Mart. So that was kind of where the project started. So on our side at Widen, we just came to them and said, hey, here are also some amazing, can you sell these in your store? You know, like, for instance, some ones we did, it's like, (laughs) we did a thing called emergency clams. It's just a can of clams. We did personalized bleach where we're kind of making fun of Coke bottles where you can buy a, you can buy a bottle of bleach with, with Zach on it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or Tiffany or whatever. And we did um, <laughs> root beer flavored vape juice flavored root beer, which is a actual bottle of root beer that's flavored like a vape juice flavored root beer. And you can buy these things in the store for money and walk home with them. So it, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. So what was nice about it was they're launching this grocery store so we came after it like, let's launch this like a local Kroger in Kansas City or whatever. So we took the, the playbook of launching a grocery store. And the creative team on this was Alex Romans and Robbie Rain, and they fully embraced it. So we did everything from like penny saver ads to daily deals. And then we had the big launch film, the grand opening film. We wanted to treat it like a regular ad, like this is a local grocery store opening up in your neighborhood. And of course, mm-hmm. you use a celebrity spokesman when you open up a store, right? So we used Willie Nelson to open up this grocery store. Hey, I'm Willie Nelson. I'm a celebrity you can trust. Come on down to Omega Mart. The lemons are totally normal. Please don't ask any questions. And so kind of to, to keep that weird dystopian feel, it's not even him. It's some Canadian actor. We didn't even attempt to do a Willie Nelson voice at all. And we just deep faked Willie over... <laughs> over this random actor's face yeah. to promote Omega Mart. Yeah. And as he's going through, he's in a grocery store, but kind of weird stuff is happening and he's not really talking about it. And yeah. Yeah. It's So it starts out, it looks just like Willie Nelson, right? And he's, and he's saying, I'm a celebrity you can trust. Yep. And then as the spot progresses, you see there's like a glitching in the deep fake effect, right? So there's the deep, deep fake is like Willie Nelson's face digitally composited onto some an actor's face. Yeah. And it looks just like him to start. And then you see the glitching. And then you see this other actor behind him a little bit. And then it just like starts glitching a lot. And things in the commercial just start getting really, really trippy and wacky. Like the whole, like the whole floor starts to move. There's <laughs> the actors who play the people that work there all of a sudden like very strange and they've got eggs coming out of their mouths and yeah. just, just it gets very, very bizarre. How did some of those ideas come about? We shot that with Andreas Nielsen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the team had this wonderful grocery store script. And that was one where Andreas came in and it was a lower budget project. So, right, so you're kind of like built on this house of cards of favors and all that kind of stuff. So this is one where it's, you have to have a little more flex in the in the final product. And Andreas is helping us, you know, figure out Oh my God, we can go shoot in this grocery store in Toronto. I'll be in Toronto. Let's let's go do it. And here's what they have in the store. Oh, let's tweak this joke to work with this location and 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 whatever. And so that one was one that was like a little more squishy where you're figuring out with the director, you're you're figuring out with the visual effects artist and seeing what's possible. And of course, I mean the client was so good too. They have so much to draw on. It sounds like a dream, a dream client. It is so amazing, right? And like I feel like this was not in the Omega Mart one, but on the daily deals, we did all these short little ads shot on black. They feel like ads from, you know, an 80s 
Eckerd's commercial or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, in one of them, we're showing off different meats that are for sale. And we're selling a DVD of collector meats, just treating it completely normal. Mm-hmm. And then the DVD comes to life and starts shooting sausage out of its mouth. <laughs> and one of the only client comments from Emily Montoya, who's one of the founders of Meow Wolf, one of the only comments was, she's like, ah, the sausage, like, I don't know how to say this, but like, can you just make it like beautiful? <laughs> and that was like the one of the hardest client comments uh, uh, <laughs> of, of the whole thing. Wow. And we're like, okay. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> yeah. So we worked with this artist, Smearballs, who we've worked with forever. And he's like, oh, let me try like four different textures. And we ended up with a chrome sausage and and that like fit the bill. So it was, it was it, you know, it was a dreamy, it's, you know, they still are. They're still a dreamy, dreamy client. But it's so funny because it was one of the few clients I've worked on where we're like, oh, we have to figure out how to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Like I've never thought about that before. I'm never like, Oh, we gotta move units off the shelf at the grocery store. It's funny because it, it was it was a very dreamy project and then very tactical at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we had to figure that out when we're doing you know all the stuff uh, like how do we actually sell tickets for this thing? Yeah, and how much of it developed? There's there's so many visual effects in this Omega Mart spot. Did you guys have a very clear idea of of how the visual effects would play out um, when you were? shooting on the day or did a lot of ideas kind of happen in post as well? Yeah. I mean, it's so fun. It's like so nervous about it. I feel like I never want to take a chance with just like figuring out in post. That's always so terrifying. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, that was another one we did with, with Tim Davies. And so we we're very close to him. He's there on set. We're making sure we have all the practical pieces for everything. There's funny like experimenting we do. There's one where like a little boy goes to an ice cream machine and and he just fills his ice cream cone with like static. Yeah. That was one where it's like, oh, is it like toxic green? Is it static? So that was one we were, we were messing with in post. Right. So just a little, just little massages, little tweaks, not Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was curious about how, you know, like the the glitching of Lily Nelson, if that was originally scripted or if it just kind of became like, oh wow, that actually could be really cool how that developed. That was one the team had from the very beginning. And that that was oh, okay. That was super important where kind of the narrative of the Omega Mart is this kind of weird corporate shady family runs Omega Mart. So <laughs> they're trying to just kind of hide all the all the ugly warts and stuff, right? So we wanted it yep. to be uh, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of glitching there so that you know you see, oh, there's something something's not quite right with this with this grocery store. And what about choosing Andreas? For, for this one as the director. How did that, what was that process like? I'll talk about the same thing on, on Convergent Station, but he, he's a director that is, you know, he's a true artist and he, he is a true collaborator. And Jason and I had had a really amazing experience with him. We did the Old Spice Dad Song spot with him years ago. I love that spot. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And he, he loves crazy visual effects. He is this kind of beautiful mind Swede who comes up with the most amazing ways of just describing things on paper. And so we just knew he would be perfect for it. And he was down to play. And Mm -hmm. when you give Andreas a completely open runway, it's endless, right? Like a lot of people, you can say, okay, you're going to go this far. But when he is kind of (laughs) unbridled Nielsen, it's pretty special. (laughs) So we're like, okay, let's work with him. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, you want to in these situations where it's like a low budget thing, you want to work with someone you've you have, you have a shorthand with, you know, is 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 going to go the extra mile and all that. It's so so important. 
Can you give one other example of something that he specifically brought to the table with this spot? I think the egg joke, I think the egg joke was him. Oh yeah, the egg coming out of the guy's mouth. The store clerk. Yeah, and that that store clerk guy was, um, <laughs> and it says farm farm fresh eggs, yeah. right? And it comes out of the guy's mouth. Yeah, and so we kind of have this, rather than having one, you know, kind of stock shelf boy guy, you know, we we just cast this one amazing looking guy and just duplicated him around the spot, and he actually, yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that him birthing the egg and giving it to the man was an Andreas joke, but yeah, that guy was amazing. If his bangs, he kind of has this insane, like something you'd see on like a Russian Instagram bangs. <laughs> and this is something from the team. They're like, we have to make the bangs a barcode. So his bangs are actually, you can scan it with a barcode scanner. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so, amazing. I didn't know that. So that was one where like, yeah, Robbie and Alex were like, we have to do it. And of course, Tim helped us figure it out. It was this crazy thing. We all downloaded weird scanners on our phone and like these grocery store scanners. So you can actually scan his barcode. So you always always try to throw out little nuggets for Reddit, right? Like, yeah. and that was one where someone's like, oh dude, his his bangs look like a straight up barcode. And then someone will be like, I just scanned it. <laughs> I think we gave free tickets away if you scanned it. And then we gave away some like canned goods if you scanned it. Like a lim- Like during the launch, we did a little dumb little thing there. That's amazing. And someone actually discovered it because I, it's just, it looks just like a ridiculous haircut that's yeah. <laughs> gel, gel down in like a bizarre way. Yeah. But the fact that somebody caught that is amazing. I'm so impressed. I mean, it's, it's like the power of the hive mind, right? So that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's something we always try to play to, right? Like someone will find it. There's so many people on the internet looking at everything at all times. And if you make it entertaining enough, people will sit there and study it. And yeah, somebody was like, I'm going to scan his bangs. I think that's part of the brilliance of these Omega Mart, or both these spots really for uh, Meow Wolf, is that they have, they're so out there that they they are entertainment and they do become kind of popular culture in a way. And it attracts all that attention. <laughs> and like you said, the hive mind, like no one's doing the hive mind about certain commercials that you just see out there that are kind of background noise, right? Yeah. But you guys have really achieved that with these. So so totally transitioning to a different okay. <laughs> different topic. So, you know, one thing I like to talk about is failure and rejection mm-hmm. because it's such a a native part of career as a creative, whether on your you're on my side as as a director, photographer, or on your side as a creative in an agency, there's just such an incredible amount of constant rejection. How have you dealt with it over your career? You just kind of like, I don't know. I've never been one to like share a ton of emotions. So it's very easy to just push that down. But I, I think that's what makes the work better. I think you have to be open to having stuff shot down constantly because mm-hmm. you, you don't want to have this precious little thing and everyone kind of blindly says yes. I think that's when bad stuff beyond advertising comes out in the world when people just say, oh yeah, great idea. Mm -hmm. There's so much work out there. There's so many projects. You're going to have another shot. You're going to have another swing. It doesn't feel like it at the time. If you strike out on a project or something, you know, it sucks. But I don't know. I mean, you just kind of have to roll with it. I wish I had a cool answer for it, but I think it it makes you better. It makes you smarter and and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. As painful as it is sometimes, especially when you're making two cents as a junior and like 
trying to to move up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super tricky. Yeah. And then what about you know your role? You're you're kind of in a in a leadership role where you have you know a lot of creatives under you. You know what's it like making and and you haven't just made this transition. It's happened years ago, but you know what's it like from your perspective moving up up the ladder, up the food chain mm-hmm. in advertising, you know, starting at, as junior and then kind of becoming a manager in a way. How has that transition been? When you first make the move, it's it's terrifying and it's scary. And, and you know, I made the mistake of being too in the weeds for the first year and you're like stressing yourself out and you're probably, I don't know, because as a creative, you want to fully own your project, right? And you want everyone around you to trust you. And it was hard, right? Because like, you have this pressure on you to make everything fantastic. And the only way you know how to make it great is to stay so close to it and so involved in it and nitpick every little thing and make sure it's as good and funny and beautiful or whatever as you can. And then when you first kind of click over to CD, that's your instinct is to be like in there with a team and in their business and, and, and helping and rather than guiding and giving them the right runway and the right tools to, to, to learn how to do it themselves. That was the hardest part. And I think it, and then on top of that, you're, you're trying to like do all these client meetings and look at briefs and have an opinion on a brief and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, trying to continue your writing or art directing job. And that's not the way to do it. Especially here, you kind of get thrown in the water really fast as a CD. It's part of the growing pains. And I'm sure it's, it's easy to say like, don't do that. But everyone I know here who has kind of moved up from creative to CD has had a similar story. So I think it's kind of hard to avoid. Mm -hmm. But my partner now has Jason Creer. He's been doing it uh, CD-wise for a little bit longer than me. So it was great to kind of work with someone who's, you know, a couple years ahead to be like, okay, step back. Let them do their thing. This is their project. They need to learn this way, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's just uh, giving them... (laughs) giving them space because that's what you love when you're a creative, right? Is to have, to bring your your idea to life. It was nice to hear that. Thank you for taking the time to join me and join us. And it's been great to hear about all of your experiences and some of the behind the scenes of how you created such an amazing body of work. Where can people follow you and find you? Oh, well, well, thank you for a sec. Thank you. This is fun. Appreciate the offer to talk to you. Um, so, oh my gosh, I think my Instagram is just msorel. Or you can look at my website. Yeah, Matt-Sorrell, S-O-R-R-E-L-L.com. Get there. Right? Yeah. Got it. I'm here right now, so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again to Matt Sorrell for coming on the podcast. You can find out more about Matt on his website, Matt-Sorrell.com. I'm your host, Zach Seckler, and you can check out more of my work, my comedy directing and photography work over on my website, zacksecklercom and on Instagram at Zach Seckler. Well, thank you everyone for listening. A new episode of Don't Skip will be out in two weeks. And until next time, don't skip those good ads. <laughs>